This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of ligaments from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. In this episode, we'll go over the function and composition of ligaments, bone insertion, blood supply, biomechanical properties, ligament failure, and ligament healing. So starting with function, ligaments function to restrict joint motion, stabilize joints, and they have mechanoreceptors and free nerve endings that help with joint proprioception. Moving on to ligament composition, the extracellular components of ligaments consist of water, type 1 collagen, which makes up 70% of the dry weight of ligaments, elastin, and keep in mind that there is a higher elastin content in ligaments than in tendons. Other extracellular components of ligaments include lipids, proteoglycans, and an epiligament coat, which present in some ligaments, not all. The epiligament coat is analogous to the epitinon of tendons. In terms of the cellular component of ligaments, the main cell type in both tendons and ligaments is the fibroblast. Both tendons and ligaments have low vascularity and cellularity. In terms of ligaments versus tendons, as far as composition, compared to tendons, ligaments have a lower percentage of collagen, a higher percentage of proteoglycans and water, less organized collagen fibers, and rounder fibroblasts. Now let's talk about bone insertion, and there are two types of ligament bone insertion. Indirect, otherwise known as a fibrous insertion, or direct, otherwise known as a fibrocartilaginous insertion. So starting with indirect, or a fibrous insertion, this is the most common form of bone insertion. The superficial fibers insert into the periosteum, while the deep fibers insert directly into bone via perforating collagen fibers called Sharpie fibers. At the insertion, the endotenon becomes continuous with the periosteum. Examples of indirect or fibrous insertion include the MCL inserting into the proximal tibia. Moving on to direct or fibrocartilaginous insertion, this has both deep and superficial fiber insertion. The deep fibers have four transitional zones of increasing stiffness that allow for forced dissipation and reduced stress concentration. Zone 1 contains a tendon or a ligament proper and consists of well-aligned type 1 collagen fibers with small amounts of the proteoglycan decorin. Zone 2 contains fibrocartilage and consists of types 2 and 3 collagen with small amounts of type 1, type 9, and type 10 collagen, as well as the proteoglycans agrican and decorin. Zone 3 contains mineralized fibrocartilage and consists of type 2 collagen with significant amounts of type 10 collagen and agrican. Finally, zone 4 consists of bone, which is made up of type 1 collagen and high mineral content. Examples of a direct or fibrocartilaginous insertion includes the supraspinatus insertion. Now let's talk about blood supply. In terms of origin, ligaments receive blood supply at the insertion site, which is different from tendons. The ACL and PCL receive their blood supply from the middle geniculate artery. Finally, keep in mind that ligaments have uniform microvascularity within the ligament. Now let's go over some biomechanical properties of ligaments. We'll go over stress relaxation, creep, hysteresis, otherwise known as energy dissipation, and the stress strain or load elongation curve. So starting with stress relaxation, ligaments decrease stress with time under constant deformation. Next, moving on to creep, this is the increased deformation of the ligament with time under constant load. Hysteresis, or energy dissipation, is when the tissue is loaded and unloaded, the unloading curve will not follow the loading curve. The difference between the two curves is the energy that is dissipated. Moving on to the stress-strain curve, or the load elongation curve, it's important to talk about the toe region, the linear region, as well as the yield and failure region. 
so the toe region represents significant deformation for a given load. In this region, the crimped and relaxed fibers of the ligament are straightened to take up load. In the linear region, the fibers are oriented longitudinal and parallel to the load, and this has constant load elongation. Stiffness equals the slope of the load elongation curve in this region, and this refers to the Young's modulus of elasticity. Finally, in terms of yield and failure region, this is a nonlinear region, and it's important to talk about the yield point and ultimate failure. The yield point is the transition from elastic or reversible deformation to plastic or irreversible deformation. And ultimate failure is the point before the steep decline in the load deformation curve. Now, let's quickly go over the stress-strain differences between tendons and ligaments. Keep in mind that tendons carry higher loads and recruit fibers quickly and have a smaller toe region, while ligaments recruit fibers gradually and have an elongated toe region. Now, let's go over ligament failure. In terms of mechanism, ligament failure involves the rupture of a sequential series of collagen fibers, and ligaments do not plastically deform. The failure site is usually the mid-substance in adults, and is usually at the bony insertion in children. Ligament avulsion occurs at the junction of mineralized and unmineralized fibrocartilage layers. Moving on to classification, ligament injuries are classified into three grades. Grade 1 corresponds to a mild sprain, grade 2 corresponds to moderate sprain slash partial tear, and grade 3 corresponds to complete tear. Now let's talk about ligament healing. And the phases of ligament healing include the inflammatory phase, the proliferation phase, the remodeling phase, and the maturation phase. The inflammatory phase occurs at 1 to 7 days and is responsible for the influx of neutrophils and macrophages. The inflammatory phase involves production of type 3 collagen, and the growth factors involved include TGF-beta-1, IGF, PDGF, BMPs 12 and 13, and BFGF. The proliferation phase occurs at 7 to 21 days, and in this phase the injured ligament is gradually replaced by type 1 collagen. Tendons and ligaments are weakest at day 5 to 21. Moving on to the remodeling phase, this occurs at greater than 14 days. Finally, the maturation phase can be up to 18 months. Factors that impair ligament healing include intraarticular factors, increasing age, immobilization, smoking, NSAIDs, diabetes, alcohol intake, decreased growth factors, and decreased expression of genes involved with tendon and ligament healing. As far as intraarticular factors, keep in mind that extraarticular ligaments, for example the MCL in the knee, have a greater capacity to heal compared with intraarticular ligaments, for example the ACL of the knee. Immobilization reduces strength of both intact and repaired ligaments. NSAIDs that can impair ligament healing include indocin, salicoxib, and paracoxib. Other factors that can impair ligament healing are decreased growth factors like BFGF, NGF, and IGF-1. Examples of decreased expression of genes involved with tendon and ligament healing include procollagen-1, cartilage oligomeric matrix protein, or COMP, tennyson-C, tenomodulin, and scleraxis. Some experimental factors that improve ligament healing include a compromised immune response, mesenchymal stem cells, growth factors, scaffolds to help primary ligament healing instead of reconstruction, and neuropeptides. So with respect to a compromised immune response, CD44 knockout mice have faster patellar tendon healing. Keep in mind that CD44 is a receptor for lymphocyte activation. Interleukin-10 is an anti-inflammatory cytokine that improves patellar tendon healing in mice. 
interleukin-1 receptor antagonist inhibits loss of mechanical properties in patellar tendons in rabbits. Remember that interleukin-1 is an inflammatory mediator. Finally, depletion of macrophages, which are the source of TGF-beta-1 that stimulates fibrosis, improves ACL graft healing in mice. Specifically, there is less scar and more fibrocartilage. In terms of mesenchymal stem cells, there may be improved healing of tendon graft in bone tunnels in rabbits and rats. Mesenchymal stem cells seem to promote healing of partial tears of digital flexor tendons in horses. However, mesenchymal stem cells seem to be insufficient for rat rotator cuff repair as the shear stresses are too high. Moving on to growth factors, PDGFBB increases cellular proliferation and limits adhesions in dog flexor tendon repairs, but provides no improvement in tensile strength. GCSF improves tendon incorporation into bone tunnels in ACL reconstruction in dogs. And as far as BMP2 and BMP12, this may improve healing in animal rotator cuff models. As far as scaffolds to help primary ligament healing instead of reconstruction, a collagen platelet-rich plasma hydrogel helps primary ACL repair, but is still inferior to native ACL strength. Finally, in terms of neuropeptides, denervation degrades tendons and ligaments. Calcitonin gene-related peptide may improve MCL healing in rabbits. Finally, in terms of scarring, tendons and ligaments heal with scar tissue that reduces ultimate strength and can cause adhesions. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 20-year-old male collegiate football player sustained a knee injury. T2-weighted coronal MRI demonstrates a tear of the MCL. Which of the following correctly classifies the injured structure and its indirect insertion into bone? And the choices are 1. Tendon and Sharpies fibers, 2. Tendon and fibrocartilaginous transitional zone, 3. Ligament and fibrocartilaginous transitional zone, 4. Ligament and Sharpies fibers, and 5. None of the above. The correct answer to this question is for ligament and Sharpies fibers. So this player has sustained a tear of the medial collateral ligament, or MCL. The MCL is a ligament which inserts indirectly into bone through Sharpies fibers. Ligaments can insert on bone either indirectly or directly. Indirectly is the most common and is a fibrous insertion. The superficial fibers of the tendon insert into the periosteum, while the deep fibers insert directly into the bone. These deep fibers are called Sharpies fibers and are made up of type 1 collagen. The direct insertion has both deep and superficial fiber insertions as well. Direct insertions are fibrocartilaginous and consist of four transitional zones of increasing stiffness that allow force dissipation. Lu et al. performed a review to determine the functional attachments of soft tissue to bone. They report that a specialized interface called an insertion site, or anthesis, integrates tendon or ligament to bone and serves to facilitate joint motion. Fibrous or indirect insertions typically occur over large areas, presumably to distribute force and reduce stress, and are characterized by performing mineralized collagen fibers. Cole et al. performed a review of fixation of soft tissues to bone. They report that recreation of the anthesis relies on adequate biologic healing afforded by adequate initial fixation. The healing pattern associated with direct soft tissue to bone repair, such as rotator cuff repair, is different from that associated with fixation within bone tunnels, for example, ACL reconstruction. The process of tendon healing within osseous tunnels occurs over time. Louis et al. performed a review of the biology and augmentation of tendon bone insertion repair. 
They report that when a ligament runs parallel to the bone like the MCL, the insertion is more likely to be indirect. When a ligament enters the bone perpendicularly, such as the ACL, the insertion is direct. Indirect insertions may be elevated off the bone without cutting the ligament itself, while direct insertions require cutting the substance of the ligament to detach it. And moving on to the final question, a 16-year-old basketball player is sent to you for evaluation of his left knee. He has had persistent medial knee pain since another player fell, striking the outside of the knee. He denies any feelings of instability and a complete physical exam only reproduces medial pain with valgus stress. Which of the following statements is true regarding the mechanical characteristics of the injured structure? And the choices are 1. The structure demonstrates a nonlinear stress-strain curve upon initial loading. 2. The structure has a Young's modulus equivalent to that of cancellous bone. 3. The structure has a Young's modulus equivalent to that of cartilage. 4. The structure has isotropic material properties. And 5. The structure is strongest in compression loading and weakest in tension loading. The correct answer to this question is 1. The structure demonstrates nonlinear stress-strain curve upon initial loading. So the player has sustained a medial collateral ligament or MCL sprain. Ligaments display a nonlinear elastic stress-strain relationship upon initial loading. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, the structure has a Young's modulus equivalent to that of cancellous bone, and answer 3, the structure has a Young's modulus equivalent to that of cartilage are both incorrect, as ligaments have a Young's modulus weaker than cancellous bone, but stiffer than cartilage. Answer 4, the structure has isotropic material properties, and answer 5, the structure is strongest in compression loading and weakest in tension loading are both incorrect, as ligaments have anisotropic mechanical properties and are stronger in tension as opposed to compression. To quickly review, tendons and ligaments are viscoelastic materials with distinct mechanical properties from bone or other orthopedic implants. Prior to loading, the collagen fibrils are crimped, but upon initial loading, all the fibrils are taut and the stiffness increases. This creates the toe region of the stress-strain curve. Upon unloading, the stress-strain curve is slightly different than with loading. This stress-strain curve is only apparent when ligaments are loaded in tension. When ligaments are loaded in compression, they have relatively little strength, which is a hallmark of anisotropic materials. Wu et al. reviewed the mechanical properties of the MCL and implications following injury. They compared a series of canines sustaining grade 3 MCL tears treated either non-operatively with early mobilization or undergoing MCL repair and immobilization. They showed the non-operative group to have stronger MCLs and less laxity, attributing this difference to the benefits of early motion to ligament healing. Goldstein and Barmada looked at the effects of mobilization compared to immobilization on MCL healing in a rabbit model. MCL showed good healing in the early mobilization and no inferiority compared to the immobilization cohort. This supports the basis of early motion following MCL injury. That's all for this review about ligaments. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content.
Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.